Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, all. Welcome back to this special episode of Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. So just as a reminder that this podcast is not for, is not a substitute for uh, therapy with a licensed mental health provider. This is for entertainment and educational purposes. Please seek out a provider in your area. So as I said, this is a special episode as I managed to get in connection with one of the two editors and creators of a project that we're here supporting. And we'll have an interview with the other creator a little later on. Uh, but hopefully you'll be able to support their campaign. So the campaign is one that as soon as I saw it, it's like, okay, how do I move the money around to support this? And then because it is with uh, Tara Adfris of the Stacked Desk Press, is it, you know, let's see, how can I help and have an interview with you and support this? So I have one of the creators here, and that is William O. Tyler. is a Black queer comic creator and film critic whose work often focuses on the intersections of love and horror and the representation of marginalized people. His current work includes Anxiety Acts, Siren.0, uh, Cinephilia, which focuses on his obsession with film. William self-publishes through Tranex uh, Comics, which he started with his partner, David Davenport. For other publishers, he's co-edited the Queers and Queer Erotic Anthology, Yellow. I feel like there should be a comma somewhere in there. Uh, uh, queer uh, Erotic Anthology, Yellow is the warmest color and is currently working on the Queer Black Anthology, We Belong. William, welcome to Untying Knots. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. Thank you for being here. And I'm looking forward to talking about We Belong. But before we get into where We Belong... How did you get here? Um, let's see. Well, I have always been into uh, comics and film. Um, my history is actually more so, or I, I should say my education is more so in film. I went to school for film, but then got into comics by way of storyboarding for film, which is kind of mm -hmm. similar. Um, not exactly the same, but very similar. Mm -hmm. um, and found that to be, found comics to be a very, expressive and less expensive way to create stories um, than film. So yeah, I've, I've just been making comics ever since. <laughs> uh, and the fact that so many movies do come into existence with so many of those storyboards. So you are creating a comic of the movie itself, which I use for planning, but yeah, there is a certain way that it is cheaper to do a comic beyond what it costs for paper and whether you're putting it out on the web than to do a full out movie, especially with what's going on in Hollywood at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And then also I um, do a lot of self-publishing so that I can, you know, be free to express whatever it is I want to express. I don't have to answer to any producer or, or anything like that as far as censorship. So um, comics have been yeah, my, my, my home for a while now. <laughs> Or the idea that they're more interested in what the IP and then how they can franchise it in up the yin yang as well. Exactly. Um, don't want my work to get 
I mean, I would love to have a movie made of my work, but don't want it mm-hmm. to get franchised to the point where it doesn't have any meaning behind it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like having control over my own work. Very much so. So let's talk a bit about your work, which is the one we're looking at here is We Belong. Now, if I read, which is a right now, a campaign is running on Zoop, correct? Yes. Right. And so the blurb here about the book is We Belong is a comic anthology composed of 100 plus pages of sci-fi and fantasy stories that center the queer Black perspective, all from queer Black creatives. The lack of Black queer characters and stories inspired Victor Kerning's Strange Lore, I may be yes. mispronouncing his last name, to provide a to develop a collection of these phenomenal tales, co-edited uh, alongside critic and comic creator William O. Taylor, Terror of uh, Theater of Terror, Revenge of the Queer Queers. They have assembled an array of incredible creators to share their stories, including J. Hero, Cap Ward. Anjali Manis, and many more. These stories showcase the fact. These stories showcase the fact that, despite what the landscape of popular fiction says, black queer characters have and do exist everywhere in every time and space. Whether we're fighting monsters or becoming superheroes, we belong. From intergalactic adventures to interdimensional exploration, we belong. As wizards, as mermaids, as witches, fully as ourselves, we belong. This joint venture between award-winning comic publisher, uh, no, this joint event venture between award-winning comics <laughs> uh, publisher Stack Deck Press and Prism Comics, a non-profit promoting LGBTIA plus comics creators and fandom, is a moment not to be missed. And for those who were who uh, have listened. This is also the producer of the Thousand and One Black Men project by Anji uh, Manis, who, who you can hear here on one of my earlier episodes from last year. So beyond what I just blurred, please tell us more about this project. Well, yeah, Victor um, and I have been talking about doing a project like this for a couple of years now because mm-hmm. we would... Victor has run a um, queer Black panel at Comic-Con for a while mm-hmm. uh, that I've been a part on. Um, and we would just always see like the divide between like, there would always be black anthologies with a little tiny mm-hmm. queerness, not really uh, much. And then there would be queer anthologies with a little tiny bit of blackness, not really that much, but there are so many queer black creators in the industry that we were like, mm-hmm. we need like our own, um, anthology to just showcase these creators, um, and, and, get them out there so that they can be noticed more. Um, mm-hmm. So that that was the the idea behind it. Um, we've been talking about it for a while. And then Victor um, got connected with Stack Deck Press and Prism. Um, mm-hmm. And it just kind of came to be. Um, everything's really, really working out wonderfully, to be honest. <laughs> gotcha. So I mean, there's so many things in the various genres. What are we so far seeing that you can at least give us a sort of a hint or sampling about some of the stories we get by supporting this campaign, which ends, I uh, believe it is uh, September 18th? September 14th is, September 14th. is when the campaign ends. Okay. So the campaign is up for a month. Um, we've just hit, um, as of today's uh, recordings, we've hit the quarter goal, quarter of the mm-hmm. goal. 
um, in the campaign. So that's great. But the book itself is, um, you know, it's all queer, all black. But at the same time, it's still diverse. We were just mm-hmm. trying to get a lot of different queer black voices. Um, so we have a lot of um, it's all sci-fi fantasy. But more specifically, we have like a um, black woman uh space pilot going on like mm. a huge intergalactic battle um we have a story about a merman we have a story about um a black superhero who is kind of reluctant reluctant to express her powers mm. um and she kind of comes into her own that story is actually by jay hero who is also our cover artist um and it's kind of incredible because jay hero is a known artist but this mm-hmm. is his first time writing. So we have mm. a story where he's he's branching off into writing and creating his own um, mythology and, and superhero characters, which is amazing. Um, we also have, um, we have some more kind of philosophical, theoretical stories as well. Like we have one where a character or one of the creators is meeting an alternate version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that interaction plays. Um, Cap Ward's story is about um, finding the puzzle pieces of yourself and putting them together to make yourself whole. Um, So there's all kinds of different things happening in this book. Um, And some of them are, are, all the stories are fun. All of the art is amazing, Um, but some of them are more, more entertainment and then some are more mm-hmm. like thought provoking. Um, mm-hmm. We tried to cover cover the board, uh, make sure we got a lot of different stories happening. Which is the beauty of an anthology as opposed to just a purely focused on one particular story slash graphic novel, which I'm sure some of these could easily be their own pieces. Oh, well. absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these stories branched off into their own series, to be honest, because they're that good. Very nice. So tell us a little bit more about what it means to be an editor on a project like this, let alone how do you begin to source all of this, and especially on this topic being for queers, Black queers? Yeah, um, this is the third book that I've um, co-edited, uh, the first being Theater of Terror, Revenge of the Queers with mm-hmm. Justin Hall. Um, they have also been on the podcast as well. Yeah. They've all been, all of the books I've created have been queer, but all with a different focus on the mm-hmm. queerness. So like Theater mm-hmm. of Terror, Revenge of the Queers was queer horror. Um, my second anthology was Yellow is the Warmest Color with um, Sonia Saturday. And that's mm-hmm. more um, queer eroticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this one, We Belong, is, is, is queer blackness. So they they all have, they all had their own, you know, unique spin and unique uh, way of working and I had to to figure out how to work with each of them um, in different ways for this one in order to like start getting it all together there were creators that we definitely knew we wanted to approach mm-hmm. before we belong so we we initially approached a lot of creators and her backs a lot of them were willing to do it a lot of them were um, big creators who just didn't have the time in their schedule, unfortunately, but completely understandable. Um, yeah, it's all of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, once we started the ball rolling with that, 
Um, we also wanted to make sure we weren't overlooking anyone. So we actually had a call for submissions and let anyone mm -hmm. who wanted to submit, submit a story. Um, and we got quite a few stories that are in the book from that. Um, and then the third way that I really um, took advantage of in order to find creators was um, there's a, a database of queer cartoonists as well mm -hmm. as a database of cartoonists of color. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of, um, and they're connected. So you could like um, filter it and find specifically queer cartoonists of color. Um, mm -hmm. So I went through that and found a few creators um, whose art I liked on the profile or, or, or who had um, ideas on their profile that sounded interesting um, and reached out to them. And we got a couple of creators from that as well. So it's really like, you know, it, it, it's a lot of different things happening at the same time, but making mm -hmm. sure they all come together. Very nice. And this type of work, doing Black queer representation, which is also part of the issue of how invisible we often get placed, or we're only allowed in as the sassy best friend, BFF. Right. So can we speak a little more to that? <laughs> yeah, we definitely... Um, wanted to make sure that this book was centering queer blackness not mm -hmm. not any side characters all of the lead characters are queer black and i i believe most of the entire cast in the stories are queer black it's there's not mm -hmm. there are a couple of characters here and there that aren't black but they also aren't the focus of the story mm -hmm. um so it was very important for us to center that voice, to center our voices um, and make sure that all of the perspectives were, were you know, going along that line. <clears throat> we had a couple of um, creators who initially pitched stories that were um, set in non-Black culture like, mm -hmm. you know, Greek culture, Greek gods mm -hmm. are like really popular. Um, I'm, I right. have stories myself that, you know, um, involve the Greek gods, but we wanted to mm -hmm. make sure like, if you tell a story like that, um, it still has to be queer and black, even if you want to put it in, in Greek mythology or even better, use African mythology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because we have a lot of, African gods and African stories and African folklore that never gets heard because everyone wants to rush to the popular Greek gods oh. or, or other you know, stuff like that. So oh, that, that was a big conversation that we had with this book that we wanted to make sure that we were focusing on us and mm -hmm. our history. Mm, oh, yeah. I mean, given the size of Africa and the amount of different cultures there, it's like there is so many bits in history that can be used. I mean, I I know that they're in the various of the crowdfunding stuff that's going on. I know someone's putting out a um, Greek-based role-playing game and it's like, oh, another one. <laughs> I mean, and I get that respect. those characters are cool like we yeah. and, they're, and they're familiar, but there's a reason why our characters aren't familiar and maybe we should be trying to, to you know help that out <laughs> exactly and there's the samples like there's a few other some other places in the world where we can have these stories and just be just as action centered as well and telling so much of it is like 
there comes a point where it's just like, yeah, it's just re- 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 repeating that that trope. I'm not that interested in it anymore. Yeah. It's like maybe when I was younger, it was great and having it, but now it's like, kid, yeah, give me something with a different substance. Yeah, exactly. Which then comes back to at this point, can't expect somebody else to make it, so we have to make it ourselves. Yeah, exactly. That's why we're doing this book to begin with. Um, I have to apologize. My cat is roaming around and meowing in the background if you hear him. <laughs> oh, that's fine. My cat is usually doing that too if I'm working from home. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, that that was the whole point of this book is that we wanted to make sure that these voices were getting out there and didn't want to wait for someone else to do it. We could just do it ourselves. Like mm-hmm. we have the capabilities. Um, and I was very happy that Victor invited me to to help him edit this because he he had never edited before that's why that's how i ended up getting it because i had edited these two previous books um he was like you have experience so come help out and i'm like yeah i this is a a a project i'm excited about so of course so what do you think is the overall landscape like not just for black queer media but queer media in general in general i think it's getting better but it's still very, um, like you were saying about the Greek gods, we, we keep getting the same stories over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and it's kind of getting tired. Um, so we, we, need, we need to expand queer stories. Mm-hmm. And not just tell, coming out stories are amazing and great. And everyone has one. But mm-hmm. there's so much more to queerness than just you know, hey, I'm queer now. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there are so many more paths and so many more stories we can tell um, with our our expression and, and what we're feeling and what we're going through. And, you know, it's, it's more than just coming out or it's more than, thank goodness we've gotten past the point where we have to kill off the queer characters and movies and stories. So that's a stepping stone in the right direction, at least. But we, oh, there's yeah. so much more we can do. Um, and so much more than just um, white cis gay men. <laughs> yeah, we, we, that is there. There we exist across the rainbow. But, yes. which also puts in that standpoint of this saying of what it means to have intersectional identities of not only being black but also being queer. Which either depending on where where you are in in the country and world, both are vilified. Yes, yes. I mean, I. I'm I'm kind of known for loving villains in movies and stories mm-hmm. just because they are characters who um, automatically have to work outside of the norm. Mm-hmm. And so I see myself in them. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to do villainous things necessarily, but mm-hmm. within fiction, I can see myself in them because I feel like I've been made the villain by mm-hmm. so many others. Um, and I'm at the point where I'm like, if you want me to be the villain, I will be the villain and I'm going to show you up, you know? (laughs) So, so that's, that's how I take a, put a positive spin on it. Um, but it is time for us to also not have to be the villain. Like we, we can, we are so much more. Um, and that's what I like about this anthology is that we're getting so many different perspectives of, of who we are and who we can be. Mm-hmm. Which even as we consider too, where this word villain comes from, which is European, 
but it ultimately means those who are not of the village. Mm. Those from outside the village. Yeah, and that makes sense because when you are, I mean, when you are queer, you're outside of, of quote-unquote normal society, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Just putting it in quotes because nothing is really normal. It's all a mess. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you're queer, you're outside of that. And then when you're Black, you're also outside of that. And then when you're queer and Black, you're outside of, you know, you're you're in the queer bubble that's outside of the rest of society, but you're also marginalized outside of that queer bubble. Mm-hmm. And then you're in the Black bubble that's marginalized from the rest of society, but then you're also, also outside of that bubble. And so you're in this very narrow path. Um, but at the same time, being queer and Black is like the most joyous you can be. Um, so even in the smallest little sliver that we're given, we're still the biggest people. We're still mm-hmm. the trendsetters. We're still the people that everything comes from, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it, it's just an interesting way to, to feel oppressed by, by society but at the same time, love yourself and be amazing. Yeah, so love yourself, be amazing, and society needs us. And society needs us. Um, You know, we have our our communities, but but without us, without those communities, society would absolutely fall apart. (laughs) (laughs) It really would. Which is the secret most of them don't want to actually acknowledge. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be saying it out loud. <laughs> oh, we should be saying it out loud because that is part of the truth and identity we also walk in this world with. Yes. Which in and of itself is also where a work like this supports mental health. Yes, and absolutely. As we said, our stories are more than just coming out. It's also how do we, after being out, live with the aspect of going to the grocery store or champion for the patient uh, so they're getting the right medical care, or teaching this child how to enjoy reading yeah, as well. And that's something that is also part of the joy of enjoying life. Yeah. I, I love the quote that um, our existence in itself is like an act of activism. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that that makes me feel amazing that mm-hmm. even doing smaller things, like you say, going to the grocery store or just reading or or any any small part of life is still major mm-hmm. um, and it's still important. And it's still like just getting up every day and and doing whatever you do throughout the day you're amazing because of it. And I wish that more people knew that. I wish more people could realize that. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Well, you know, I think that's a good place for us to take a break. So stay tuned, folks. We're going to be back in our second half to talk more about We Belong, as well as any other subject that William wants to get into. And uh, we're going to have some fun with that. So be back shortly. Here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered, I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with William O'Taylor, creator, author, editor. So stay tuned. (laughs) 
Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, all. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with William O. Taylor, author, creator, co-editor. And we've been talking about the, their pro, this project, uh, We Belong, which is going to be, which is presently on Zoop crowdfunding. We'll have that information in the uh, links for the show. And it ends September 14th. So please go and support it. Now, as I was reading earlier in your information, you had created two pieces, which was uh, Anxiety X and uh, so was the Cinephile? Uh, Siren O. Siren O. Well, and, I, I guess all three of them are, are pertinent to what we're discussing, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> mental and that key one aspect is like mental health in this. And a project like this helps with representation and being able to see identity. But these and all other pieces were something else altogether. So mm-hmm. let's talk a bit about those. Yeah. So um, uh, these other comics that I've, I've created on my own, um, I... I guess it kind of started with um, the pandemic. I'll just, I'll begin there where my, my emotions and anxiety and everything going on with the pandemic were pandemic were just at the utmost high. And I had to Mm -hmm. figure out like how to bring myself out of it and be a little more logical. Um, (laughs) Otherwise Mm -hmm. I'm just going to spiral. So I started creating these characters that were helping me to, um, express and figure out what I was going through. Um, mm-hmm. The first of which of these characters is named Anxious Axe. 
Um, and he's a character who is um, queer and Black. All of these characters are queer and Black. Um, but this character is just so straight-laced um, facade, but brimming with anxiety inside mm -hmm. um, to the point where he has a monster that develops out of his shoulder and just hangs over him, um, constantly yelling anxiety into his ears. Um, <laughs> so so this, this is what I was going through during the pandemic when I was like, you know, thinking what is going on, what's happening in the world. Like I can't, I can't sleep at night. I can't, I was having like heart palpitations. It was just, it was a lot. And I could not figure out how to um, really take hold of it until I started creating and expressing how I was feeling. Um, mm -hmm. So the, this, this character acts um, is, is a very, very quiet and sincere person, but this monster that hangs over him just eats him up and tears him up inside. Um, and it, it, it becomes a, it, it has become a great way to um, get rid of the anxiety mm -hmm. <laughs> um, by channeling it into something more positive. And, and um, I've, I've been able to not have it looming over me as much. Um, it mm -hmm. becomes, you know, you kind of release it in a way when you work with it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not mm -hmm. sure how to properly phrase that, but it's been very cathartic um, oh. in, in working with that. Yeah, work with it. And it's um, really, it's also about acknowledging it. And so the pandemic and conversation I've had with a few other people in this last week and so forth, the pandemic is a major bookmark. Yeah. It's in the point in time in history that even though... <laughs> Uh, a lot of people can't remember what was going on in those three years because the three years are so blurred together. It's a major point in this world in history, and we're still seeing the ripples of it in so many different areas and arenas because it it caused everything to pause. Yeah, it caused some things to be seen, and it caused this anxiety and this monster you have in your character to come forward, and. I'm kind of to make people kind of wonder as you talk about it, like how many other people can see this monster that's on his shoulder, or how many of them are ignoring it? Which is also a question that comes up with how we live with anxiety, which fundamentally is tied to our sense of fight, flight, and freeze. Yeah. Are we going to have to run? Are we going to have to fight? Oh, or are we frozen in terror? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting that you put it that way because the very first story that I put out um, with Anxious Acts is him going for a jog and he's just running. Um, and the anxiety monster develops because he doesn't want to go for a jog. He's worried that he might overheat. He's worried that the sun's mm -hmm. too hot. He's worried that um, people are going to look at him a certain way because he is queer and Black. So he has all of these interactions like, what does it feel like when you are are Black and have to cross by a white woman? You know, mm -hmm. what does it feel like when you are Black and another jogger who is also Black is running up towards you and he's really hot and you want to look at him, but you're afraid that if you look at him, he might beat you up because he's mm -hmm. not. Um, so all of that stuff comes into play where it's just like, 
there, there's the big looming anxiety and then there's all the little anxieties that also like every day, um, you know, having to make certain phone calls or having to do, you know, certain things that can just spiral out of control if you let it. Um, but I've been been figuring out how to not let it <laughs> by, mm-hmm. by, by acknowledging it, as you said. And then there's Siren O. So Siren O also comes out of the pandemic, but in a very different way where, you mm-hmm. know, because of the pandemic, we all were very hard up for money. We were all having mm-hmm. financial problems, you know, jobs were all over the place. And one of the things that really positively came out of, well, I guess it depends on how you want to look at it. But for me, I feel like it was a positive thing. One of the things that came out of, of the pandemic was um, a bit more acceptance of sex work mm-hmm. um, with OnlyFans becoming a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point, I considered OnlyFans or have been considering OnlyFans. I have not started one, mm-hmm. but and 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 even thinking about my comfort level with as you know as far as publicly displaying mm-hmm. my body or what that means um i created this character named sirenno who is a modern day siren um mm-hmm. he has this charisma that automatically draws people to him but so here's the, there's the greek again coming back in yeah exactly exactly <laughs> um he has this charisma that's that but, but this character is queer and black mm-hmm. um so and, he's more of an incubus yeah he's 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 descendant from sirens but he's not you know he's he's our modern day black guy mm-hmm. um, um but he he has this charisma this charm that automatically draws people to him but at the same time he is not always comfortable with that mm-hmm. um and he is not sure at, you know at what point does he um at what point can he have a, a sexual experience that he enjoys as opposed to having a sexual experience that is monetized um, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, something along those lines. And at the same time, there is also a body horror um, mm-hmm. element to it because as within the world that I'm creating, this is not mm-hmm. necessarily so for, for the history of sirens, but, but the sirens in the world that I'm creating have, um, a situation where their body type changes based on what is the most popular body type at the moment so that they can mm. attract people. And that ne- does not necessarily equal the body type that you want to have. Um, so, so there's a lot of, of things that I'm playing with in Sireno that, um, that I think will, will get interesting as this series continues. <laughs> well, it, it, uh, at this point it's like, I, I'm immediately thinking about, oh, uh, this is something that would be good for the eating disorder and the body image dysmorphia communities. This would be, this is a beautiful commentary in and of itself on the issue like we see with the Instagram uh, issues of how, especially for young girls, but even for boys uh, and even for the uh, non-binary are being man- dealing with the social pressure of what body type or what looks or what is being monitored goes there. So there's so many areas of like, even though this was used for you to work through these issues, they are so very relevant to stuff that 
were going on in this, these would be useful mediums for us as therapists to be able to say, read with our clients, those that are more open to dealing with comics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It definitely stemmed from my own personal experiences, but as I was develop, developing um, Sarano, I definitely was seeing how um, it could be branched out even further. Like, uh, mm-hmm. especially when the sirens in the book are an entire species. And so you can have a lot of different um, sirens going through different things based on mm-hmm. what they're experiencing and how their, their biology works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and whether or not their biology is something that they like themselves, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. There. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Well, Cause again, there's, there's a, the, the narratives we live with, especially not just again, being black, what is the body type that's acceptable or being sought after, then that can be a very different one than what's in the queer society, queer society and so forth. And also how then does a body type get fetishized right. as well? Uh, so there's a lot of that dynamic. And of course, if all these sirens are basically being influenced by whatever's showing up on Instagram, good God, the wardrobe they would have to have. True. <laughs> very I mean, expensive. I mean, <laughs> very expensive, but I mean the size differentials that would have to be going through, and yeah. then that even depends on uh, particularly what, let's say, algorithm threat is targeting them. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. A, a part of it was me. A part of the 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 body thing was me being a black queer person and very white queer spaces and also mm-hmm. um being a really skinny guy for most of my life i've been mm-hmm. like relatively like skinny to the point where my doctor i i was seeing a doctor for the first time and the first thing that they said to me was are you always this skinny and it was just my, my natural body type um mm-hmm. and to hear to have a doctor say that to me was not probably the the greatest thing that should not be i mean before hello that wasn't that didn't sit right with me. Um, yeah, my, yeah, mine but, usually but, saying is like, "Can you lose the weight?" <laughs> but being skinny um, and also wanting to bulk up, or or seeing mm-hmm. um, how popular the bare body type is mm-hmm. in the community, um, and and feeling like I, I don't want to to. It, it, it's hard to it's hard for me as a skinny person to talk about how not great I feel being skinny sometimes when so many other people are dealing with the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to belittle them by talking about myself. But at the same time, I have to be able to express myself. So there's mm-hmm. all kinds of things mm-hmm. that, that are are hard to navigate sometimes. Well, and that very much gets into also the aspect of how much the idea of body dysmorphia as opposed to eating orders with like bulimia and anorexia, which are all very much present are showing up more and more for men. Now. Yeah. It is one of the things that meeting disorders are having to really starting to look at some of their programs of how are they designing them for men and specifically for young boys. It's true. Um, yeah, and then the flip of that is, and this is some conversation I had with uh, 
my first conversation with Demetrius, uh, um, Demetrius, the co- uh, cosplay, uh, Hellspawn cosplay was talking about the struggles it was also taking to maintain the superhero body f- that we see in comics. Which is and, not actually... <laughs> most comics are not realistic bodies to begin with Mm -hmm. um and even like in the movies to have you know mcu actors have like such a strict regimen and training before they even start filming and then they're flexing the whole time on screen um and so that's not you're actually going to look like when you just wake up and look in the mirror um Mm -hmm. but that's the goal that everyone has which is not necessarily realistic <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which again adds to this standpoint of the dysmorphia that men are feeling especially queer men are feeling depending on whether you're black or not about what is the type of body that's going to actually connect you with with acceptance let alone a relationship and fundamentally and i say this to many of my clients yeah, you want those physical qualities, that needs to be about 25% of what you're looking for. The other 50%, well, that's where we're coming with 100, 25% is physical, 25% is sort of the monetary security standpoint, but the other 50% has got to be the emotions. Yeah, got to be the emotional type, because you're going to be living with that more than you're going to be living with their pocketbook or their rock hard abs. And at that point, are they still enjoying life? Are you enjoying the time with them? I mean, that's that's what's most important to me as far as relationships is is the personality connection more so than than the body connection. I mean, the body definitely Mm -hmm. helps. (laughs) But I mean, no doubt it helps. But uh, it isn't always the thing that we're going to be can be focused for because there's so many stories and tales about the beautiful body, which also equals a beautiful person inside. And as we've also seen, as we become more aware of things like narcissism and borderline, that pretty packaging doesn't always match the inside. Right. And I'm such a, such an introverted person to begin with that if, if you're going to be in my space, (laughs) I need to know that we can get along and work well um Mm -hmm. outside of just you know physical connection um Mm -hmm. so so thankfully i i have found a partner um dave davenport who is also into comics and and um i mean as as far as creating comics is also a comic creator Mm -hmm. but also um shares a lot of um of personality traits with me that we can get mm-hmm. along um we mm-hmm. we are not the same person like we definitely disagree on things which i think mm-hmm. is important to give each other mm-hmm. to give each of us our own agency but we 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 can share space and enjoy each other um in times when i probably would not enjoy most others to be honest <laughs> oh that is the truth and that's again part of that enjoying life and how we influence culture yeah yeah so let's move on to your the other piece uh the cinephile oh cinephilia i mean cinephilia. 
especially yeah. you know segueing segueing from enjoying culture. So mm-hmm. uh, Cinephilia was a web comic that I started um, just as a way to express my love of cinema. Just mm-hmm. you know, as I said earlier, I started my education in film, and so mm-hmm. film is really my if I if I have to be honest, film is probably my first love. Like that's that film is the thing that that really gets my heart pumping in a positive way that gets me excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's so much um, um, escapism in film and that's mm-hmm. necessary for me. Like I want to escape a little bit, but there's so much going on in the world that I was finding that um, my escapism was becoming a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of started to use cinephilia, cinephilia as a way to give commentary on film and my love of film and escapism, but in a way that was um, um, bringing in the reality of the world at large, um, mm-hmm. how, how film works with society or against society um, mm-hmm. and and how those two things are work connecting for me as far as being a, a queer black person and what I was seeing on the screen. Um, mm-hmm. well, one, stories don't get told as often as much, which is why we have. We well, belong as being yeah, crazy. exactly. Um, one of the stories that I did for Cinephilia was all about, like, I can't remember how many pages it was, but it was a full length story just on how I felt seeing Moonlight for the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that was the first time that I'd ever actually seen myself on screen. Um, And this is me, you know, in my, by the time Moonlight came out, I was in my um, late Mm thirties and I've been watching movies my entire life. And this is the first time that I've ever seen myself really on screen. That's bizarre. Um, Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be that way. I think everyone should have a movie that they could look at and go, this is me. This gets me. This really makes me feel like I am seen. Um, Mm -hmm. But for Moonlight to be, you know, not only black and not only queer, but also have this lead character who is very introverted and who has this kind of a, has gone through things that have kind of made him um, put up a shell. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, that shell could easily fall away for the right person. It was just like, I, I I sat in the theater just in awe that I could relate to a character so much. <laughs> well, and that speaks to a very, one of the big issues, the two that is often being worked on, I think for many black males, queer or not, is being able to be vulnerable. Yes. And yes. that becomes a, an area of struggle, especially in therapy, when the wounds that are happening can be healed by vulnerability. The aspect of becomes discernment of who's the good ones to have that vulnerability with and who's not. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and you do not get, especially for Black men, you do not get vulnerable Black men in movies. Like that is... Mm-hmm. That is one of the rarest things you will find. Um, uh, even if you have like a, a, a black guy crying in a movie, um, 
what is he actually crying about? Like it, that that kind of vulnerability is not always does not always come across as um, authentic in media. Mm-hmm. Um, and Moonlight was the one for me that was just like this. This really feels real. This they mm-hmm. really nailed this. Interesting enough that it's a a black director, but not a queer director. But he was still able to to nail that. Um, that balance between hardness and softness um, that I that I find very interesting. Hmm. And that's some of how this character in this in this book travels through it, or is it a series of characters? Oh, in Cinephilia, it's actually just me. It's they're they're almost like um, like um, comic essays, or I guess in a way, hmm. almost like autobiographical comics as well, but with me um, talking about the movies that I love and sometimes even interacting with the characters from the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's literally just me. <laughs> eh, life is art. Yeah. All righty. So I think this is a beautiful place for us to move into my classic question of what do you think is a myth and reality around mental health? And especially from this place as, Black queer people experiencing mental health. Um, I probably the 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 big myth for me that I had to come to terms with was the fact that you can you don't have to and probably should not do it alone. You you should you there are people like yourself who are very educated on what's happening and can be very mm-hmm. helpful to you. Um, and I think a lot of, of black men feel like they have to be staunch and strong and do everything and handle everything mm-hmm. on their own and just carry everything on their shoulders. Um, and that's how I still am sometimes where I feel like, you know, I got this. If someone asks what's wrong. I'm like, I'm fine. Um mm-hmm but but it's not it's okay to not be fine and it's okay Mm -hmm. to let other people know that you need help um or that you even if not that you need help but that you are going through something Mm -hmm. it's okay to admit that you are going through something and that that is real and Mm -hmm. you don't have to keep it to yourself you don't have to be alone in it Back into that sense of vulnerability to what we were just talking about in Moonlight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that movie really hit home for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, vulnerability. And that our stories are one of those ways we can have vulnerability and heal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely don't know what I would do without my art and my expression. That's mm-hmm. That, for me, has always been... Um, important and and keeping my my self together i guess (laughs) which then also gets into the aspect of and as you said outside bubbles where the certain halves of expression are more allowed or acceptable or at least in black culture and then also in queer culture as well yeah um i mean you know Getting back to We Belong, that's absolutely why this anthology was so important, so that mm-hmm. so that we could show 
Black queer expression that, you know, as I said before, the 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 black side of comics mm-hmm. don't really include a lot of queerness, and the queer side of comics don't really include a lot of blackness. And there are things that are very specific to queer black expression mm-hmm. that I think they're they're important to show. Um, mm-hmm. It's important for for queer black people to see. So hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully this book, you know, hits somebody in a in a very positive way because it's been positive for me and cathartic for me to work on it for sure. Oh, I'm certain there are others who did. The sooner we can help make sure this gets fully funded, the sooner it's going to be in the hands of those who need it. And I think there's a just a cadre of black therapists who could more than use this book material too. I would love that. I would love for the, for this to be helpful in some way. <laughs> Ultimately. So where can, again, people find this material and or reach out to you if they want to know more? Well, I'm available on most social media, just at William O. Tyler, um, name spelled out, no underscores, mm-hmm. thing like that. Um, so you can always find me and, and We Belong is available on zoop.gg. Um, and it will be up for, um, will be up until September 14th, um, crowdfunding. There, a lot, there's a lot of stuff available on there, not just the book, but we also have mm-hmm. um, some of Stack Deck Press's previous books, which include um, uh, a butch lesbian coloring book as well as a um, transgender hero coloring book. Um, we mm-hmm. also have um, prints and original art from some of the creators um, and all kinds of other stuff. So there's there's a lot of, of you know, great queer Black creators involved with this book to support. Um, and I'm happy that they get their time to shine. <laughs> Definitely. And let's hope, let this some podcast help with that as well. So I want to thank you again for coming on here and uh, get this out as soon as I can. And uh, please, folks, go out and support We Belong. Thanks so much for having me here. It's been a, an absolute pleasure, to be honest. Thank you for being here. So stay tuned, folks. We'll have more coming up for you as this uh, rest of 2023 goes ahead. And again, go support We Belong on Zoom. Be well and be safe out there. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.